Welcome to The Real Demons of Pop Culture. My name is James Zippolitti, your guide through pop culture's underworld, unearthing the origins and eerie allure of pop culture's captivating demonic realm. You may know me as Dr. J, the TikTok famous demon hunter. In this episode, we're going to talk about Frankenstein, all the different Frankenstein iterations, some trivia, talk about some themes. Obviously, we'll see how Buffy used Frankenstein. And we'll get into some trivia about the movie that I picked for this week's example, Young Frankenstein. I saw Young Frankenstein in a later re-release in the theaters because it originally came out in 1974. And I know for a fact I didn't go and see it then. I would have been too young. I think it was released, I don't know, maybe 79, 78. I'm not sure. I thought it was the late 70s. I remember going to see Young Frankenstein with a friend and his mother had dropped us off at the movie theater. And we sat and we watched Young Frankenstein And there were these two girls in front of us and they were saying, oh, my mom or dad or someone works at the theater and you can just stay here and watch it again with us. And so we did. We sat there and waited or talked to the girls and then the movie started over again. Now, we didn't think that this would frighten my friend's mother after the second show started that she came in the theater looking for us, terrified, thought we were missing or lost. We were just watching, or at least trying to watch, Young Frankenstein for a second time. There's a lot of cool things about Young Frankenstein that I probably did not know. Now, I had to have been aware of Frankenstein, the 1931 James Whale film. I just don't know how much I knew that stuff came later about how Young Frankenstein had a lot of cool, I guess, nods to this. I mean, it was pretty obvious Young Frankenstein. It's definitely a nod to Frankenstein, but there were a lot of things. It captivated me. The black and white film, the score, the entire look of the castle and how they made it look like it was made in 1930s. And it was really funny. So we'll get a little bit more into that. But as you know, this is The Real Demons of Pop Culture. It is a listener-supported podcast. I have many ways for you to support this show in the show notes. So if you want to check them out, you can even just go to jamesippolitti.com slash support and you can just drop a tip in the tip jar, whatever you feel you can afford. So check those out. We have Bookworms, the second issue, the Bookworm Zine. The Etsy link should be in the show notes as well. So check that out. Just came out not too long ago, and we're working on issue three, which is going to be our Halloween episode. Super excited about that. Let's get into the magic number. All right, the way this works, I think of a number between 1 and 50. It'll be silent. You write down what you think the number is that I'm thinking of, and at the end of the episode, I'll reveal that number. And if you get it right, you will have an extra special magical day 
get it wrong, you'll just have a nice day. It won't be extra special magical. I don't make up the rules. My toys do. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Okay, write that number down. I'll reveal it at the end of the episode. So I already talked about Young Frankenstein, Mel Brooks, 1974, Gene Wilder was in it. And there's a lot of really cool trivia when it comes to that movie, things that I wouldn't have known when I first watched it. It's obviously the homage to the classic Frankenstein film. It's a parody. It's got so many funny things that are funnier the more you know the original James Whale film, it's shot almost the same. Even the equipment that was used in the lab, they actually found the dude who like made the equipment for the original film. He had the props in storage. They brought it out. And so a lot of that stuff is from the original film, which is just mind blowing. Gene Wilder co-wrote the script with Mel Brooks. He also starred as Frederick Frankenstein. It's spelled Frankenstein, but in the movie it's pronounced Frankenstein. He is the grandson of the original Victor Frankenstein. And it's just so, so good. He does such a great job. There are other pretty interesting tidbits about that movie. The one that I think I didn't know until I did the research for this show was that Aerosmith's song, Walk This Way, was influenced by this movie because in the movie, Igor is like, walk this way, and he shuffles and... The band Aerosmith actually went and I guess took a break from the recording studio and they went and saw this movie together and they loved that so much that they made that song. And that's pretty incredible that not only is it a great film, but it influenced one of the greatest rock songs ever made. I'm here today and I'm going to discuss the timeless tale that permeated the very fabric of our collective imagination. It's a story that captivated audience for centuries, continually reinventing itself, leaving an indelible mark on the landscape of pop culture. Originally, it was a book, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, or the modern Prometheus, and we're going to talk about Prometheus in just a bit. It was first published in 1818. She had no idea that the creation would ignite a spark that would burn brightly for generations to come. You really got to think about this. Here's a woman who's sitting with her husband and her friends in this storm, and they're all challenging themselves to come up with the story, and she comes up with this brilliant tale, such a great horror gothic tale, and it's still thrilling people to this day in 2023. From its humble beginnings, Frankenstein's monster has become an icon, a symbol that transcends the pages of Shelley's novel and finds its place in our hearts and minds through countless adaptations, reinterpretations, and tributes. And of course, in the realm of cinema, Frankenstein's influence is undeniable. The groundbreaking 1931 film produced by Universal Pictures brought the story to life in stark black and white. Boris Carlos's portrayal of the monster with his haunting gaze and lumbering gait became an image etched in the annals of horror history. The Universal Studios Frankenstein series continued to captivate audiences with its sequels and spin-offs, leaving an indelible mark on the horror genre. I wasn't around in 1931. You might think I'm old. I'm not that old. But I did hear tales of 
when that movie got screened for the first time and people were sitting in the theater and Boris Karloff walks out, that first image of Frankenstein, people literally lost their you-know-what. I don't know if they ran out of the theaters. I mean, I hear this all the time with movies like Exorcist and, you know, Psycho and people freaking out. But this is early in cinematic history, so I wouldn't be surprised that people were just losing their minds. Yet Frankenstein... Its impact extends far beyond the confines of the silver screen. Television shows such as The Munsters and Penny Dreadful, they've incorporated the character into their narratives, showcasing the enduring fascination with Shelley's creation. Frankenstein's monster has even found a place in animated films and series, captivating audiences of all ages. The character's adaptability and ability to resonate with diverse generations and cultures is a testament to the universal themes it embodies. And we're going to get to the universal themes in just a minute. In literature, Frankenstein's influence looms large. Numerous authors have paid homage to Shelley's work, crafting their own stories that explore similar themes of creation, morality, and consequences of playing God. From Dean Kuntz's Frankenstein series to modern retellings by contemporary writers. The resonance of the Frankenstein story continues to inspire new creations, reminding us of the timeless nature of Shelley's narrative. Moreover, Frankenstein's impact reaches beyond the written word and moving images. The themes of scientific ethics, ambition, responsibility, and the dangers of unchecked progress have seeped into music, art, and popular discourse. The monster's enduring struggle for acceptance and belonging resonates with individuals who have felt like outsiders or experienced prejudice in their own lives. Frankenstein's story serves as a cautionary tale, urging us to examine our own humanity and the consequences of our actions. In the vast landscape of pop culture, Frankenstein stands tall as a symbol of our collective fears and desires. It forces us to confront our own mortality, our pursuit of knowledge, and the power we hold as creators. Through its myriad adaptations, the tale has transformed, adapting to the cultural zeitgeist and captivating new audiences with each iteration. As we delve into the depths of Frankenstein's legacy in pop culture, let us celebrate the enduring power of Shelley's creation. Let us embrace the themes it presents, encouraging us to reflect on our own responsibility as stewards of scientific progress and guardians of our humanity. Let us remember that Frankenstein's monster is more than a creature of horror. It is a reflection of our own capacity for both greatness and darkness. It is a testament to the power of storytelling and its ability to transcend time and captivate our hearts. May Frankenstein continue to inspire, provoke, and challenge us, reminding us of the enduring legacy that the great works of literature can leave in the world of pop culture. So Frankenstein comes out in 1818. It says that it is the modern Prometheus, but who is Prometheus? So Prometheus is a myth, and it tells the story of a titan who defies the gods by stealing fire from Mount Olympus. And I'm sure you have heard this story, or at least some reference to it. He steals the fire from Mount Olympus, and he gives it to humanity. As a punishment, Prometheus is bound and sentenced to eternal suffering. 
So the parallels between Prometheus and Victor Frankenstein are evident. They both challenge the natural order by wielding forbidden knowledge, which also goes back to the Garden of Eden. So the Garden of Eden it was the tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil. And we, were, we weren't, but Adam and Eve are told not to eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then they're punished. So there are similarities there as well. The themes of scientific ambition, the creation of life, and the repercussions of defying the divine are shared between Frankenstein and Prometheus. Prometheus does not directly involve the creation of a monster or explore the ethical implications as deeply as Frankenstein does. But there are similarities between these two stories. So let's talk about Frankenstein and pop culture because that character has been all over the place. So let's talk about the early adaptations. The first known adaptation of Frankenstein was a stage play called Presumption or The Fate of Frankenstein. And that was by Richard Brinsley Peake. Richard Brinsley Peake. That's who he sounds like. It premiered in 1823, which is pretty early. Like if you think 1818, the novel's out and then... A few years later, there is a stage play. So this book took off. Since then, there have been several stage adaptations and silent film versions, including the 1910 film Frankenstein, directed by J. Surly Dolly. Now, I did talk already about Universal Monsters and Universal Pictures and how they made Frankenstein in 1931. However, they did make... Sequels, right? They had Bride of Frankenstein and Son of Frankenstein. And Bride of Frankenstein is one of the movies that has always been used to show that it is better than the original. Sort of like Empire Strikes Back is better than Star Wars. Bride of Frankenstein is always quoted as being better than the original Frankenstein. And I agree. I love Bride of Frankenstein. I think it's got a lot of good moments, but also some great humor as well. Now, in the 50s and 60s, we had Hammer Films. Hammer Films is a British studio production company, if you don't know that. And they revitalized Frankenstein with a series of gothic horror films. These films starred Christopher Lee as the monster and Peter Cushing as Dr. Victor Frankenstein. And the most notable, if you want to go check it out, The Curse of Frankenstein from 1957 and Frankenstein Created Woman in 1967. Now, I also talked about Young Frankenstein, but there are other homages and parodies to Frankenstein, and one notable one is Tim Burton's Frankenweenie. Now, there is Frankenweenie 2012, but he actually did a short film before the one in 2012, if you want to check that out as well. And I also mentioned The Munsters, but you can also see Frankenstein show up in The Simpsons. The Simpsons. I remember this like it was yesterday, in 1994, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein came out, and that was directed by Kenneth Branagh, and he starred in it, and it was the film that aimed to be a faithful adaptation of the original novel. I really enjoy this movie. I do think it is a great representation of the original. Robert De Niro plays the monster, which is interesting. But I enjoyed it. And if you haven't checked it out, absolutely go and check it out. If you haven't read Frankenstein, go read it and then go watch that movie. And then you can really compare them. 
If you follow me on Instagram, you've noticed I put some songs up that had the title Frankenstein or were related to Frankenstein because Frankenstein's all over music. The character of Frankenstein and themes from Shelley's novels inspired so many songs and albums across different musical genres. For instance, Edgar Winner's instrumental track Frankenstein, that's 1973. That's such a good song. And the alternative rock band Fall Out Boy's song Young Volcanoes, both that and Frankenstein by Edgar Winner, they both reference the character. Let's talk about today. There are many modern interpretations of Frankenstein. Recent adaptations, that would probably be Penny Dreadful, which features Dr. Victor Frankenstein as a prominent character. And there's another film called Victor Frankenstein from 2015. And that's interesting because it is from Igor or Igor's perspective. And you can pronounce that either way because Young Frankenstein has introduced both. All these examples have the following themes. It may have all of them, may have some of them, but these are themes that usually people are exploring when they're working on something related to Frankenstein. Ambition and hubris. Frankenstein delves into the dangers of unchecked ambition, the pursuit of knowledge without ethical considerations. You know what also did this? Jurassic Park did this. And it's also something we need to think about when it comes to artificial intelligence and why we have Hollywood on strike because, you know, where is the ethical consideration of creating a movie with an actor and then using their AI stunt double for the sequels? And if the actors don't have that in their contracts, that's what they're fighting for. And I don't think the CEOs and the, the big wigs at these studios have any ethical consideration when it comes to actors and writers. Here's my little rant. But, you know, Dr. Victor Frankenstein's relentless desire to create life, it leads him to cross those ethical boundaries, and it results in dire consequences for both himself and the creature he brings to life. And that's why we really do feel sorry for Frankenstein in a lot of these things, or whoever they're representing as Frankenstein. So then the next theme we would explore is responsibility and accountability. So the book raises questions about personal responsibility and the consequences of one's actions. Victor Frankenstein neglects his creation, shirking his responsibility as its creator, and this abandonment, it leads to the monster's feelings of loneliness, anger, and a desire for revenge. It is pretty crappy what he does to him. Here's another theme that might be explored with a Frankenstein-type story. Nature versus nurture. So Shelley explores the age-old debate of nature versus nurture through the character of the monster. While he is initially born innocent, the monster's experience and treatment by society shape his behavior. The novel examines the impact of environment and upbringing on an individual's character and actions. Next up on the theme list is isolation and loneliness. So both Victor Frankenstein and his creation experience profound loneliness and isolation. Victor becomes isolated as he becomes consumed by his experiment. He alienates himself from his friends, his family, 
And the monster is rejected by society due to his appearance, longs for companionship, but finds himself utterly alone. The theme of isolation highlights the fundamental human need for connection and belonging. Rend. The next one is prejudice and otherness. The creature's physical appearance sets him apart from society, leading to prejudice, fear, and rejection. And Shelley explores how society's judgment based on outward appearance can shape the experiences and behavior of individuals. The novel challenges readers to examine their own biases and the consequences of treating others as outsiders. You know, that is why this appeals to a lot of people who feel like outsiders. They feel and they connect and what the monster's going through resonates with them. All right, let's move on, shall we? The next theme you can explore is the dangers of scientific progress. So Frankenstein raises concerns about the potential dangers of scientific progress and the ethical implications of playing God. Shelley's novel was written during a time of significant scientific and technological advancements, and she questions there's a responsibility scientists hold in their pursuit of knowledge and innovation. You also have to remember that this is a time also where people who wanted to learn had to steal bodies. Unless bodies were donated, and this this is a weird time for science and uh, education and learning about the bodies and how did they ethically get these bodies. A lot of them were not. Look that up. There's this whole story about... And I wrote a short story called The Ghouls of Dr. Forbes. So look up Dr. Forbes in Philadelphia back in the 1800s, and you'll find out how awful this was. And of course, it was all minorities that were their families and their loved ones who were buried, who were suffered from this. Just check it out. You won't regret it. You'll be uh, like, what the F? All right, the next theme is loss of innocence. The pursuit of knowledge. The creation of the monster marks significant moments of loss of innocence for both Victor and the creature. Victor's ambition leads to the destruction of his own happiness, and the creature's existence is marred by rejection and despair, causing him to become vengeful and resentful. And we all could kind of resonate with that as well. And finally, the last theme you could explore is the complexity of humanity. So Frankenstein challenges traditional notions of what it means to be human. The creature, despite his monstrous appearance, displays human emotions, desires, and a yearning for love and acceptance. The novel explores the blurred lines between humanity and monstrosity, highlighting the complexities of human nature. This is also, I think, people who never read the book are shocked that the monster actually does talk. And really not in James Whale's 1931 Universal Monsters. He's just like, he does say maybe one word, but he's more um, vocal in the novel and in Kenneth Branagh's film, if you want to take a look at that. Now it's time for Buffy Did This. Hello, I'm Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And yes, Dr. J is correct. I did do this. The episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer titled Primeval it delved into the themes very, very reminiscent of Frankenstein. That's why we're bringing it up. Let me give you the overview. 
In the episode Primeval, a character named Adam, who is a combination of human, demon, and machinery, serves as the Frankenstein-like figure. He's created by a government initiative that seeks to create a superior being by merging different parts, much like Victor Frankenstein. Similar to Frankenstein's monster, Adam questions his place in the world, and he seeks understanding and meaning. He explores his identity, purpose, and how he fits into society. So it echoes the existential struggles of Frankenstein's monster who grapples with his own existence and seeks acceptance and companionship. That's the episode I suggest you check out if you want to follow the Buffies that I bring up. Now, another movie that I want to bring up, just a final pop culture reference, is Reanimator. Reanimator is a loose adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's novella, Herbert West Reanimator. But there is a certain Frankenstein-like influence. So here's a couple ways. The scientific ambition and creation, well, that's definitely in Reanimator. It follows the ambitious medical student Herbert West who develops a serum that can reanimate dead tissue, just like Victor Frankenstein reanimating dead tissue. West becomes obsessed with this, and he just wants to conquer death. He pushes the boundaries of science without the regard of the consequences, and both characters are driven by their desires to master the secrets of life and death through their experiments. There are moral and ethical implications in both stories. They're playing God, tampering with the natural order of life and death. The characters' actions in Reanimator and Frankenstein raise questions about the limits of scientific ambition and the consequences of disrupting the natural order. And they both have monstrous creations. In Reanimator, the reanimated corpses become grotesque, zombie-like creatures that exhibit violent and unpredictable behavior, similar to Frankenstein's monster. Although it shares some themes to Frankenstein, it takes a different approach. I mean, it's, it's a horror comedy. It's a dark comedy. It's got over-the-top gore. And I also brought it up because back on, and I don't have it, but I'm probably going to post it on this is some scene. I have an interview that Chris Blake Sasser did with Jeffrey Combs, who is the star of Reanimator. Maybe I'll throw that up onto this is some scene, the podcast of my interviews. There you have it. Frankenstein in pop culture. Probably could go on for years. There's so many things written about Frankenstein. But this is a good little jumping point if you want to get more into Frankenstein. I gave you lots of things you can go check out. Now it's time for the magic number. The magic number is 29. Thank you all for listening. Go check out the show notes. Would love your support. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And I will be back in two weeks with a new story. Be sure to follow me on TikTok at James Ippolitti. I'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. The Real Demons of Pop Culture is a Gorilla Delphia production.